This is Bold Dominion, an explainer for state politics in a changing Virginia. I'm Nathan Moore. Well, it's been two months of news from Virginia's 2022 General Assembly session, and it's all set to adjourn this weekend. And when the Assembly's in session, a fire hose of political news pours forth. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, to help make sense of it all for people who want to know but just aren't Richmond Politico insiders. With a new Republican majority in the House and a narrow Democratic majority in the state Senate, this year's seen a lot more bills killed than passed. Here on Bold Dominion, we've looked into efforts to curb campaign contributions from state utilities. So that effort died, and Dominion can still give big money to lawmakers. We also talked about how to legalize cannabis the right way in Virginia. Not much passed there, either. And we explored the current state of public education policy. Even there, Governor Glenn Youngkin's push to ban the teaching of, quote, divisive concepts ran into a brick wall. Well, next week, Bold Dominion is going to do a deep dive, a crossover episode with our friends at Pod Virginia. We're going to look into everything that passed and didn't pass, and how this year's session will impact our state for the year ahead. But before the General Assembly session wraps up, we've got one more topic to cover the Wild West of campaign contribution laws in Virginia. Lawmakers here have prided themselves on the so-called Virginia way and the gentility of our legislature. But there's no shortage of politicians collecting their share from big donors. Despite decades of efforts to reform this situation, campaign finance bills keep dying on the assembly floor. Why do we continue to see such little progress in campaign contribution reform? You're deliberately squeezing the legislators with no pay or little pay, uh, pin money. And that obviously puts them in the pockets of, uh, you know, some of the big corporations and people. Today, Bold Dominion brings you a mini episode about the landscape of campaign finance laws in Virginia, or the lack of such laws, as it were. A proposal this year would have taken a really basic step to prohibit lawmakers from using campaign funds for personal expenses. And even that measure died. It seems that a lot of lawmakers rather enjoy feeding from this trough. So what would it take to increase transparency and accountability? And how does this Virginia way we've got affect the makeup of the legislature and their policymaking? Well, Peter, let's start right at the action, or the inaction, as it were. Uh, Virginia's General Assembly had a chance to take a small step on campaign finance reform this year. There was a bill that would have prohibited lawmakers from using campaign money for personal expenses. Uh, What happened to that bill? Well, uh, it was shot down in in the House by Republicans by a five to three vote. And what it would have done is put really restrict legislators and other people from using their campaign funds to pay for personal expenses. And this is just the latest in another step in the non-progress of getting effective campaign fund reform in Virginia. Now, this particular bill did pass the uh, state Senate, actually with bipartisan support, but then over in the House, it didn't pass. Why, Why not? Well, it's a good question, because last time it came around, uh, the House overwhelmingly voted for it. But of course, Republicans now control the House. And I mean, it's just it's just so frustrating here because, you know, Virginia has such a bad, sullied reputation as far as being too free with uh, donations. So now this bill, when you say using campaign contributions for personal expenses, are we talking about people using, you know, like like taking money from donors and then turning around lawmakers using it for like their home electric bill? Or, or what's what examples are there of this? I mean, first off, there was Tim Hugo of Fairfax, who had been a delegate 
Over 18 months, he expensed $30,000 from campaign funds for travel and food and $9,400 for his uh, cell phone. I mean, there are many cases of this. Like, like putting their kids through college tuition with uh, with campaign money? Yeah, exactly. I know that you, you could do that. I've had experts tell me that because Virginia is so lax compared to other states and what, what the restrictions are. So let's let's go into that a little bit as far as the landscape of campaign finance regulations in Virginia. What's that? What's this environment look like? Back in 1992, Doug Wilder, who's kind of a, a kind of classic governor, really wanted to push campaign finance reform. And that flew in the face of a lot of things, because Virginia has always had this sort of myth that back in the days when the General Assembly was made up of almost exclusively uh, white men going back you know, decades, and many of them were just landowners, and they all had this image of themselves as like, you know, dashing romantic cavaliers or who, you know, were above petty graft. That's never the case. But anyway, so then things really hit the fan in 2013 when Governor Robert McDonald uh, was indicted, along with his wife, for accepting thousands and thousands of dollars from uh, a man who was trying to sell medical supplements. And that led to a very big showcase trial. Uh, Terry McAuliffe wanted to propose a, um, a, a sort of a greater oversight committee, but then it was killed by the GOP. And so, I mean, right now it's the same thing. And I was looking at the laws here. For example, there is a law that says that executive branch officials and legislators cannot accept gifts of $250 from high-risk sources, such as lobbyists and principals and contractors. And then another thing, like if you have a non-high-risk source, you can accept it over $250. The, the rub is who defines what a high-risk donor is. And so essentially lawmakers can just take a gift from somebody who's not on a, a prohibited list, like an actual active lobbyist, but no big deal if they just take a gift from somebody else. Well, another problem, all of the legislators are really low paid as far as their General Assembly work. Delegates get $17,640 a year. Senators get about 18000 According to a recent National Coalition for Integrity study, Virginia ranks sixth from the last of 50 states when it comes to decent regulation. So is, that, is this the lawmaker pay part of this that, uh, you know, look, in Virginia, you either come to the table with some money or, or upper class lifestyle, or you can just take two months off to go craft laws. You're getting paid well from some other source, or there's an expectation that you just kind of get certain benefits from being in that scene. I mean, is that part exactly. of this? That's exactly right. Because, I mean, as you say, the, the way it runs kind of limits the pool of candidates to those with... Uh, lots of money. But the other thing is, is there's some bodies here, and there's something called the Virginia Conflict of Interest and Ethics Advisory Committee, which which can actually, does have some kind of uh, power to look into things. And then in the House of Ethics Advisory Panels, plus there's a Conflicts of Interest and Ethics Advisory Council. But none of these entities really has any power. A number of states, I forget how many, have independent ethics commissions that really can get into what, what people are getting. And they have actually have, do have you know, significant subpoena power. But in Virginia, none of these groups can put forward injunctions or fines or anything else. It's totally toothless. I want to uh, look back again at the Doug Wilder era, 1992. So at least 30 years that there have been some efforts to rein in campaign donations and, mm -hmm. and how sort of wild west it all is. Mm -hmm. what, what was the reason Doug Wilder's administration brought that up? Why was this an issue in the 90s? 
Wilder, is, as I say, was a um, brilliant reformist. And um, he knew what was going on and he didn't like it. And that's what happened. But, you know, the General Assembly was, was mostly, you know, older white guys, kind of an old boy network. And Wilder was very good at provoking them and trying to control their power. And so it was, uh, again, kind of shot down those efforts at reform 30 years ago, shot down just, again, sort of, we don't need this. We've got the Virginia way. We're not going to you know, do anything improper with the money that we get. Exactly. And what they do, another another ruse they use is VPAP, the Virginia Public Access Project, VPAP. They go to the state and they get data about who's donating and how much, et cetera, et cetera, and they publish it online. But the problem is it's not really a regulatory agency and it's not really run by people who are very that all that interested in putting some teeth into the uh, donation regulation. Well, they don't have the power to. It's a 501c3. I know, exactly. And I mean, but people, what I'm saying is a lot of the big donors, like, say, Dominion or, or Tria or some of the others, are very happy to support BPAP with the idea that that will keep other sources from really looking into their donations. And it's worked so far. Uh, so it sort of fills that function of, no, look, we're transparent. All you have to do is go to this nonprofit and, and take a look at our numbers. Um, yeah. whereas something that actually was state-run, state-driven, real campaign finance reform actually might have some teeth and, and be able to rein things in. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's sort of part of the, the gig here. I mean, I don't want to get cause any trouble with BPAP, because as I say, they, they've done a remarkably good job in, in sort of reporting what the situation is. Yeah, but yeah. And same, I've actually donated to VPAP in the past, just to be clear. It's a, it's a terrific resource for, for this podcast and for many uh, news consumers around the state. But I think your point's well taken that those from the, the big money class have used it in disingenuous ways to prevent reform. Yeah, exactly. With the, the mid-2010s, uh, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, after the Bob McDonnell scandal, uh, where, again, that was one where a guy was, was taking like tobacco processing byproducts and was going to turn them into some kind of nutritional supplement. Um, it ended up being a little pyramid schemey, and and um, and yeah, so Bob McDonald and his wife were both convicted of, of corruption. Um, take me through the attempts at cleaner government that, that okay. were talked about for the next year or two after that. Let me just talk a little bit about what the counterbalances are to the situation involving McDonald. And the problem with that is what is a bribe by federal law? And there was ample evidence that the McDonald's were taking really egregious donations and and loans that they were deeply in debt. And this guy, Johnny Williams, who was trying to push some kind of vitamin supplement, he, he was always, he, you know, he gave Mrs. McDonald, Maureen McDonald, a $15,000 shopping spree in New York. He paid for their child's wedding reception. I mean, it was a very emotional trial and really cut to the edge of what's wrong in Virginia. And then what happened was that months later, the Supreme Court reversed the conviction, saying that they didn't really prove the key, you know, quid pro quo thing. Because what John Williams was trying to do was to get the governors to sort of seemingly support his product. But there wasn't really any direct contract. And the Supreme Court said the federal circuit court judge uh, had been too loose in his instructions to the jury. So, you know, that's that's another problem, because, you know, here you have a situation where you have in Virginia, things are wide open. But when you get to the federal level where they're not, you still have these problems about proving corruption. That's an awfully high bar, it would seem. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, you're, you're looking for something in writing saying, I'm going to give you this gift in exchange for that policy change. That's a nobody's going to write that down. 
No, of course not. So today in Virginia, why why won't the General Assembly pass even this basic change that would that would prohibit campaign money from being used for personal expenses? Well, I think number one, they, a lot of them want to protect the, the situation and, and the nice scheme they have to to keep the money coming in, and then they all, always go to get some kind of dippy excuse to kill you know, proposed legislation. Who are the good players in this? Who's who are the honest brokers trying to make Virginia's democracy cleaner? Even people who come out and said. I will take no money from Dominion. I will take any money from corporations. They always seem to end up doing so. Elaine Luria uh, from down in Virginia Beach area, she said she wasn't going to take money, but she did. And that happened with the the Virginia lieutenant governor's election last year, too, where the Democrat uh, Haya Ayala signed the, the pledge not to take any Dominion money. And then, you know, weeks before the election, she took like $50,000 or, or so. This, this is really a bipartisan kind of uh, problem because both Republicans and Democrats have tried to stifle any serious ethics reform. So what you're suggesting or what I'm hearing is that it needs to be more than just a voluntary pledge. We actually need some kind of reform that'll that'll make Virginia's democracy cleaner and, and reduce the possibility of, of graft and corruption. Yeah, what you really need, I think the, the, clear, the clear solution for this is to get a truly independent you know, ethics commission. Uh, that does not have, you know, maybe don't don't let legislators on it. I mean, other states have this. I mean, look, I looked at the um, Coalition for Integrity's. Uh, they did a survey of states. The top state they listed was Washington State, and um, Virginia, as I say, ranked six from the bottom. And they looked on all kinds of facets of, uh, you know, do- donation re- uh, regulation. What are these places doing? I think they really go into more vigorous, robust uh, commissions. There's a certain line drawn between the legislature and commissions that regulate it. In Virginia, you're, you might create a commission, but you're going to populate it with the same old people. So it's like writ large, why is this important? Why, why should we care about the, the campaign finance environment here in Virginia? Because what you're doing is you're, you're letting your political vision and work be controlled. You're deliberately squeezing the legislators with no pay or little pay, you know, pin money. And that obviously puts them in the pockets of, uh, you know, some of the big corporations and people. Those who can afford to, uh, to help yeah. them out. Yeah. Well, what comes next on this? What will move us from A to B? You've talked about, you know, possibly a need for an independent commission, for an ethics commission with actual teeth. Um, I mean, how do we get from, from here to there? That feels like a distant <laughs> vision, uh, distant dream. Well, I'm not very optimistic because it's been, what, at least 30 years, 40 years, this has been, in, you know, in play, and nothing ever gets done. Yeah, no, no regulations that would impede the operations or donations of big business. Well, I know. The thing is that, that they, what they're mixing up here. They're conflating a couple of points. One of them is, you know, they're very business, pro-business, and they don't want regulations on labor laws or the environment or things like that. And then when it comes to actually, you know, looking into legislators and, and government officials, they say, oh, we don't need more regulation. I'm an anti-regulation person. And it's just this Virginia mentality that you know, needs to be changed. And I don't know how that culture will change. Peter Galasco is a Richmond-based journalist. You're listening to Bold Dominion, a state politics explainer for a changing Virginia. Visit us online at bolddominion.org. Have a friend who's trying to get into state politics? Well, tell them about this show and then subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are served up. Bold Dominion is a member of the Virginia Audio Collective. We're online at virginiaaudio.org. 
Check out all the podcasts from The Collective, from science to history to community affairs. We amplify the voices of people in our community and help them tell stories that matter. You can listen and subscribe to all these podcasts at virginiaaudio.org. Hey, thanks again to Richmond-based journalist Peter Galaska for joining us this week. My name's Nathan Moore, and I'm the host of Bold Dominion. Our editor this week was Catherine Hansen. You can find us online at bolddominion.org. And don't forget to subscribe. It's just a click away.